Here's a fourth thesis. The body of Christ is bigger than we think it is. The body of Christ is bigger than we think it is. And this fact should be reflected in our community worship. The body of Christ is bigger than we think it is, and this fact should be reflected in our services of worship. We just said in our third point that when we gather together as worship, it's as a body, not just as individuals, assorted individuals coming together. Uh, This is related to this, and my, my point now is that when we start to think about the we, it's not just the present we. It's not just the we who are present with me this Sunday morning as we've gathered for worship. I'm part of a bigger we than that. In the ancient confessions of the church, we read things that remind us that we belong to one holy apostolic Catholic church. Now, some of you may not like me to use that word Catholic like that. Uh, My encouragement would be to you that this is an ancient word, predates the Roman Catholic Church. It's an ancient word that reminds us that the church that Jesus Christ built spans the globe, knows no national boundaries, no ethnic boundaries. God has one people. Jesus Christ came to establish one church, and we belong to that church. And so in spite of what we may be thinking as we gather as a community on Sunday, we are actually invited to worship with something much larger than ourselves, something vast, a church that spans the globe and a church that reaches backward and forward through the ages. This is a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous thought. It captivates my thinking a lot. I'm full of this thinking right now because I've just returned from Sri Lanka where I was deeply impressed by the uh, church that I was worshiping with there. Uh, worshiping God in the face of incredible poverty in most circumstances, worshiping God in the face of persecution. This is the experience of the church around the globe. Now, how do I translate that practically to my congregation? There are a number of things that come to my mind. I hope you'll just think about this and others may come to your mind. I love to open the pulpit when I was a senior pastor, uh, open the pulpit on occasion to guests from other places, other cultures, other nations, other backgrounds, let them come in and help the congregation see that God is a great God. Give a little glimpse of that Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10 picture. When John says, Then I looked, and there before the throne I saw people from every nation and tribe and tongue standing in white robes, palm branches in their hand, and together with one voice proclaiming salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. I love to bring people in to challenge us this way. I love to bring people who have been overseas from the congregation to share testimony with the congregation of what they've had. And I love to invite song from other folks, song from other cultures and other nations. Global span of the church, that's important. Also, the time span of the church is important. We're bigger, we're part of something bigger than ourselves, not only in terms of the global stretch, but also through the ages. Sometimes uh, there's a movement afoot in the church today to sing a new song to the Lord. And some people take that very literally and think that if something is, uh, is a little bit aged, it can't be useful in the church today. One of my classes that I taught on worship a couple of years ago, I required of students that they visit various uh, churches from different traditions. If they're charismatic, I ask them to visit a liturgical church. 
they're liturgical, I ask them to visit a charismatic church. If they're white, I ask them to visit an African-American church or an Asian-American church. And then come back and write up their experiences. So somebody visited a church and was describing the worship experience in their paper for me. And they said the church, during its music, did a wonderful job of blending old songs with new songs. Uh, but he put some help for me in parentheses. Next to old song, he put early 90s. Next to, <laughs> next to new songs, <laughs> next to new songs, he put late 90s. And I thought, I thought, oh my, oh my. Yeah. I love to pull out a song from, oh, say the fourth century. It's a beautiful hymn I know from St. Ambrose about the Holy Spirit. Or a hymn from the 16th century, like Martin Luther's The Mighty Fortress is Our God. Or the 11th century, Bernard of Clairvaux. Why not reach back with the church? And we can do this not only with our music, but we can also do it uh, with various other elements of the church service. One of the reasons I personally like to recite a creed in the worship service, like the Nicene Creed, or the Apostles' Creed, because the moment I do that, I'm reminded that I belong to something much larger than just this little group of people right here. I'm identifying with people through the ages and across the globe. When I pray the Lord's Prayer with a congregation, I'm reminded of the same things. Think of the fact that millions upon millions of people are praying the same prayer on the same day in honor of the same Lord. These are important reminders for me. If we are troubled by... Uh, self-absorption in these days were also troubled by a very ahistorical perspective. And we need to help the church see we're not the first ones to do this. We didn't write the book on worship. 